Okay, I wonder if you know your Bible, Proverbs 23.7. I want to finish the series I began a little while ago. I've got to finish it by giving you some practical keys. So I want to get there and uh, we're just going to quickly pick up what we've doing. We'll be looking at our identity in Christ, your identity, your identity. And uh, it's part of a, what the Lord was talking to us about through the year. Proverbs 23.7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And today I want to just talk about establishing your identity in Christ. Who am I? And uh, we saw in this verse here, let's just summarize some things we've done over the last couple of weeks so we get to the new things. And uh, first thing we, we looked at, can you just get this volume right? It's just got a bad ring in it. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, what you believe in your heart about yourself will determine how you live your life. Make no mistake about it. The way you see yourself affects the way you live. Even in the secular world, they talk about self-image, the way you see yourself, the way you view yourself. That actually affects the way you relate, the way you connect. It, it affects your expectations. It affects the way you connect with people. So how you see yourself, if you see yourself as a, a, as a person with nothing to give, you won't front up to give. You'll always stand back in the crowd and always be a little up, uh, unhappy someone else stood up and did something. If you see yourself as being uneducated, therefore you can't contribute, this is, a, this is actually a lie. And many people who are not educated are great achievers in life. You understand? But if you get the message while you're at school, I'm a dummy, I can't do anything, and you begin to believe that, this is going to affect your performance all through your life. I prayed for a young man uh, who had been rejected totally by his father, totally abused by his father, got involved in homosexual activities, and, and uh, he got a massive deliverance. Actually, it was on the floor of a, of a restaurant. I was up there in this restaurant, and, and uh, he gave his testimony. I was very deeply touched by his testimony. I thought I'd like to pray for him. So I got my hands on him and prayed for him. We actually gave him a big hug. And I held on to him and gave him a big hug. So it's a non-homosexual hug. And uh, <laughs> gave him a big hug, big father hug, and held him. I held him. <laughs> and he just began to break and weep. He wept and wept and wept. And then, then do it. we just cast these demons out of him. Well, the staff were just astonished. This guy's rolling around the floor and these demons coming out of him. And afterwards, just totally clean. And uh, just, but you see, his, his mind had been shaped, the way he saw himself. And he just needed to get free. Another young guy in, uh, in a church just recently, and uh, he also had a similar background. And, he, and uh, he just said in his heart, he said, I just want the pastor to hug me. And I hugged, I didn't know, I just going along praying for people. I saw this one guy, just gave him a big hug and held him, began to weep. I didn't know what it was. Later on, he said, God had touched him and set him free. Just like that. See, but these people saw themselves in a certain way. So how you see yourself is going to affect how you live your life. How you see yourself will affect how you live your life. And we saw that people define themselves in a whole number of ways by our name. Who are you? Oh, well, I might. Uh, we define ourselves by our name. We define ourselves by where we've come from. I come from this family line. Uh, we define ourselves by our race. I'm a Kiwi, or I'm an Irishman, or I'm a Maori, or I'm a Cook Islander. We define ourselves by gender. I'm a woman. I'm a man. We def and if we're not sure, well, I don't know. You know, I'm in between. <laughs> but if you're uncertain, boy, you, you're certain you've got to put some vibes out there that people will pick up. So, so we define ourselves in a whole number of ways. And we saw also people define themselves by the experiences they've had. So if they had a lot of failure experiences and they believe, I am a failure, then what happens is they begin to live their life out according to that and they fail repeatedly. 
We saw also that if people had experienced uh, uh, abuse, injustice or whatever, and they began to believe, I'm a victim, I'm powerless, I can't help myself, then what happens is they begin to then be victimized all through life. That's why young women who have been abused tend to attract into their life men who abuse them. Until the issue is resolved, when the young girl gets a different view of herself, then she'll attract a different kind of guy in. So you've got to be made whole. You don't want to hang around. In fact, if you've been abused, don't think of entering into romantic relationships until you've resolved your baggage. You bring in your baggage in, you've got a bad future ahead of you. At some point it'll come up, you'll have to resolve it. And what I have noticed is people who see themselves as being a victim of abuse tend to attract into their life people who will abuse them. It's just like until it's resolved, you're like a magnet for the stuff. That's why you have to change. We have to renew how we think about ourselves. And, uh, and even, you notice in Uganda, when the women saw themselves in a certain way, and just getting the truth that actually a woman is a minister of God sets them free. Now they start to think, I can do that kind of stuff. So many of the ways we see ourselves are shaped by our family background, our culture, the community we're in, all kinds of things affect it. But we're wanting to move from that and to look at how we get established in Christ. So the first thing is, uh, we talked about was how God defines us according to his purpose. So when we looked at Jesus, we found in Matthew, he shall be called Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So when God brings a person on the earth, he has a purpose for our life. So he wants you to see yourself in terms of your relationship with him and what you're called to do with your life and destiny. You're an important person. You're an important person. Uh, Jesus, when he was baptized, the, the father spoke to him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So he received his identity by revelation. He was who the father said he was. Now, now people from his hometown said, that's just Jesus the carpenter. He said, no, I'm Jesus the savior. And so he lived his life out of revelation of who God said he was. Those who related to him, according to him being Jesus the carpenter, he couldn't touch their life at all. He couldn't receive any miracles. And hence you see the problem if we view ourselves according to the way the world's described us, we can't live out what God called us to be. If you view other people according to the natural way you've seen them, according to where they come from, what family they're in, you will confine them and they won't be released to be who they are. Sitting next to you is someone waiting for their potential to be released. Are you going to confine them by your expectations or are you going to help them become who they were called to be? Church communities to be a community where we call people forth into who God has called them to be. We don't have to make people anything. We have to find out what God has called them to be and help them become it. You'll see it's quite different as we get to the end of this, you'll see this. See? So you notice then Jesus was incredibly secure in his identity. In John 13, it says in verse 1, 2, and 3, somewhere around about there, he said, Jesus knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He knew what the Father had given him. And you know what he could do? He could serve. He wasn't worried about position, wasn't worried about title, wasn't worried about privilege. This is important to lots of people. It wasn't important to Jesus at all. He took up the lowliest job, washed their feet, said, I'm your master and I can do this. You guys can do it too. In other words, because his identity was secure, he could have any position, status, anywhere. His life was not found in those things. Life was not found in his money. And it's not found in property. It's not found in his position, not found in his title. It's found... This is who I am, for the Father told me so. 
and so he could lay his life down. If you're not sure who you are, you look for people around you to affirm it. You'll try and find your identity outside yourself when actually you need to find it inside yourself by hearing what God has to say about you. I don't care what the authorities say about you. What does God say about you? I don't care what your past friends have said about you. What does God say about you? That's your potential. That's who you can be. Most people will only know where you've been, but God knows where you could go. And so we see in the Bible, as we remember we looked at this, we looked at various people, how God spoke to them. And God speaks into us, and he caught, sometimes he changed the names of people because he wanted them to get a different picture so they can fully embrace the, their call of God. For example, Abraham, we saw his name was originally Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. So everywhere he went, he, they say, who are you? Well, I'm the father of nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're an old fellow. Where's the nations? You know, where's the father thing? You know, but, but he had to actually present himself as I am this. I am this. Well, we don't agree with that. We don't see any kids. Now, I don't care whether you see any kids. I am this because God said so. And the Bible says in Romans 4, 17, God calls things to be not as though they are. So before he was physically a father, God called him a father and he agreed with God and he called himself a father. And this is part of the way faith operates. You don't try and work hard to become something. You find out what God says you are and begin to embrace that until you actually grow into it. A huge difference. One, people are striving to become something. The other, you're beginning to understand who you are and then embrace how you live that out. You see, this is incredibly important when it comes to your Christian walk because you're either trying to become someone. I, I ask the question, how are you doing? I'm getting there. I think you've got a problem because you've got some imaginary place you're wanting to get when actually what you need to know is to be rested I am already acceptable in Christ. I'm growing up and working it out. I'm discovering more and more about who God called me to be and what he called me to do. Okay? So Gideon, Gideon, you mighty man of allies. Yeah, what, 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 what? Listen, I'm in the youngest in the family. So you understand that over and over again in the Bible, God spoke to people according to what he had called them to be and to do. Simon, Simon, you're going to be called Peter the Rock. James and John, says Jesus called him another name, sons of thunder, because you're going to upheave the place everywhere. So sometimes in the Bible, God renamed people in order for them to get fixed in their mind, this is who I am as I walk with God. Otherwise, you're living out of who everyone else said you were as you grew up. And that's where most people live. They live out of their background, their past, their concepts, their beliefs, instead of actually making it a light pursuit to discover what does God say about me? Who am I? Only the one who made you knows who you are and what lies inside you, what dreams are in there, what hopes are in there, what possibilities are in there. There's no one around you can tell you that. The one who created you can tell you that. But you've got to stop trying to be someone else and actually discover what does God say about me? That's what is going to be the foundation of my life. This is who I am. I am who God says I am. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am redeemed. I am blessed. Got nothing to do with anything outside me. This is what God says. I'll live out of what God says. And that's how Jesus said you've got to live your life. The devil came to him. If you are this, then prove it. Do something. 
He said, man shall live not by bread alone. Every word. I live by what God says. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. You understand? Because I live out of what the Father says about me. It's a really important thing to get a hold of. A major, major thing. Now, when you embrace your identity in Christ, you become free then to actually connect with people because you don't have to build a mask around. You can be who you are. When you become secure in your identity who you are, you can actually then become quite creative because you don't have to copy anyone. You can be an original. When you become free in your identity and who you are, you can connect with people without a mask. You can be creative and you can be quite confident because you're not being someone else. You're being you. What a liberating thing that is. Not trying to be someone else. One of the big pressures young people face is trying to be someone else. So the Bible says a lot of things about us. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Then I want to show you who we are in Christ and how we establish it in our life. Here's a couple of scriptures. One, John 3, verse 1 and 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God. See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, beloved, we are. Who are we? We are the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, no one can see what you're really like. But when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So clearly, it tells me I'm a child of God, I'm growing, and I will come to a place of maturity just being like Christ. That's what God has in mind. Wants you to actually have the character and life of his son. Being a true Christian, <laughs> instead of a copy. Okay, so there's a simple scripture. Look at this, 1 John 4, 17. The Bible says, as he is, what is Jesus like right now? As he is, so are we in the world now. I pray that one over me regularly. Lord, as you are, so am I in the world now. So I begin to declare what is like, his nature, his characteristics are in me and flow through me. Because the Bible says it, as, as he is, so am I now. Well, I don't feel like that. Hey, it's got nothing to do with feelings. Your feelings and everything around you will change if your heart belief will change. Got to work on the heart belief system, see? Okay, I want you to have a look with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So the Bible tells us many things about who we are. You've got a job to discover it. Otherwise, you're only who people said you are and who you think you are. But God says there's much more to you than that. Much, much more to you than that. You are his workmanship. God's working on you. Find peace and master of art. You're his workmanship. You're his servant. You see yourself as the servant of God? You're a minister of God. Do you see yourself as a minister of God? Wherever you go, you can bring God to people. Do you see that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, then of course you want to be equipped on how you can move in the Spirit of God to bring God to people, because that's who you are. You do that kind of thing. Let's have a look in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. I want to read a few verses here, uh, and we'll pick it up in verse 14. For the love of Christ motivates us, because we judge that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I reckon if someone gave you a million dollars, you'd feel very indebted to them for helping you. What if someone laid his life down for you? You'd feel quite indebted to respond. Okay, he says, now, he says, now, if anyone is, now, it says, now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, we know him this way no longer. Notice that, from now on, we know no man after the flesh. I'll tell you what that means in a moment. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, everything has become new. I got a problem straight away because it doesn't feel like everything's become new. And let's just go through it. And then it says, then we are ambassadors for Christ. I want to go through a few things in here and show. Notice what the Bible tells us. It says we have a new motivation when you become born again. The new motivation says now the love of Christ compels me forward. I'm not doing things because I have to anymore. Not doing things because the right thing to do anymore. I'm doing things because I am loved by God. And the love makes me want to do stuff. See, the love of Christ constrains or motivates or harnesses my life. I want to do things I never wanted to do before. Before you came to the Lord, you're selfish. That was the old you. The new you is generous. Have you caught up with who the new you is yet? Or are you still living the old one? Huh? So see, notice the first thing is we've got a new motivation, the love of Christ. Notice the second thing here, it says we no longer live for ourselves. So we've got a new center of living. So we're no longer self-centered now. We're thinking, man, I want to live my life for the Lord. I want to please the Lord. i got someone who loves me, committed to me. I want to serve Him. I want to so connect with Him that my life makes a difference. Otherwise, I don't think that way. I'm thinking like I used to live. It's just watching this for me. See? So no longer live for ourselves. And there's a couple of other things here. Got a new perspective. And it says, now it says uh, before, from now on, we know no one after the flesh. Got a new perspective on people. Now, what does it mean to know no one after someone after the flesh? It means when you look at people, you start to look at them differently. So when you're born again, you start to look at people differently. You don't look at them and say, how much money this man's got, or what job he's got, or whether he's white or black or brown or yellow. We're not looking at whether it's a male or a female. We now see people differently. Problem is, of course, if you don't realize that you see people differently, you're just going to relate to them the way you used to out of prejudice and attitudes. But you see, if I'm motivated by the love of God now, and if I actually start to look at people differently, I see this is a lovely person that God created to represent him. This is my brother. This is someone in the family of God. I'm not worried whether he's a mayor of town or, or whether he's got some great position or some great influence or income. He's got nothing to do with anything. We're not to know people after the flesh. To know them after the flesh means you judge people and you put them into ranks of social status. This is high up, this is low down. Moneyed status, this is rich, this is poor. Or positional status, or racial status, or gender status. See, in Christ, all of those things have gone. Because God doesn't see us that way. It's time I caught up in my thinking. And look at people differently. The new me sees people like Jesus sees them as immensely valuable people, eternal beings. So if you just start to look at people as whether they can get you ahead, you'll just be the same old person you used to be. You'll say you're a Christian, come to church, but you're living out of someone you used to be, not out of who you are now. This is the delay. I want to show you how it can shift on the inside in that area. So the Bible says, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh, but you know people after the spirit. In other words, you can feel something about them the moment you meet them. You can weigh them up. You can sense where they're at. You begin to feel the person's flow of spirit. You can sense when they've got walls up. You can sense things about them. Why? Because I'm knowing people after the spirit now. That's a whole new way of living, of learning to relate to people after the spirit. There's no old people, young people, rich people, poor people, uh, Jew people, Gentile people. There's all just one kind of people. These are valuable representatives of God, and I need to learn how to love them, old and young, black and whatever color. 
See? And, and you understand that old mentalities will stop you doing that. We've got, to, we've got to upgrade our thinking how we see people. Otherwise, you'll see, well, that's woman. Women don't do that. Well, who said? Where did you get that idea from? Oh, that's a man. Men do that. Where did you get that idea from? Why don't you see people in the spirit? Why don't you see them according to the way God sees them, which is according to their new identity in him, a child of God with enormous potential. If you saw people that way, you wouldn't talk against them and judge them and find fault with them and look at the outside and judge them according to appearances. How can you judge people according to appearances? You've got no idea what's going on. You've no idea what motivates them. The only way you'll ever find out is if you don't judge them on the outside, you let God show you things and you listen to what God says about them. One of the hardest things of all to do is to withhold judging people. Just not to judge them, just to hold it until God has given you some insight. Okay, so we're getting on. Now notice what it says here about our new identity. We're getting to it now. If anyone is in Christ, he is totally new. I like that. All things, all of them are gone away. They're passed away, meaning they're dead. He passed away means he died. The old things passed away. Notice it says, behold, all things have become new. Now, of course, when you look, I used to look at that scripture and think, oh man, that's a tricky one because I don't feel like it and I definitely don't live like it. So what's the deal here? God's saying, I'm a new creation, means when I'm born again, I got a total renovation on the inside of the house, a fresh start. Therefore, the Spirit of God coming into me gives you and me a fresh start. And now the Bible says, behold, or Take a look at this, but all the old stuff's passing away and there's new things are coming into your life. Get the picture. You see, if you don't get the picture that having come to Christ, that everything old passes away and now new things are coming into your life, you're going to live out of the old instead of embracing the new. And he says, behold, get a grip on it, get a vision of it, get a picture of it, that old things. Old things means the selfish way of running your life, self-centered, self-sufficient, just the way of relating to God and to people and to life. It's all gone away. He says, behold, a new things have started. Now, the problem is, even though God has, has practically and legally made all things new, it's not my experience until I start to make it mine. So, for example, when Jesus died on the cross... All men potentially could be saved and go to heaven, but only those who actually make a response to him by faith, then they're born again, they receive Jesus as Savior, sins are forgiven, now we're positioned for a life of becoming a new person. In God's eyes, he said, everything has changed. This is a new person, it's a child of God that was a sinner. This is a child of God now, this is one of my family now, totally changed. Now, have they changed in the way they think? Not so much. Have they changed the way they live their life? Yeah, a little bit. But there's a lot of stuff that's not changed yet. So why is it not changed? Because something's required of me. God says, everything has passed away. And now you can be that new person I've called you to be. Need to discover it. And how am I going to do that? I've got to actually begin to discover from the Word of God what He says about me. So let's have a look in, uh, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4.22. Ephesians 4.22. This is what he says. Notice it says, very simple thing here. It says, he says, put off concerning the way you used to live your life, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness. Now notice God requires me to cooperate with him in making some effort here. 
So he doesn't, even though you're born again and the Spirit of God's coming to you on the inside, you've still got old beliefs, old emotions, old struggles, old ways, old habits, but potentially everything is new. You've got to know I am new and begin to throw off. It says put off, like take the garments off that you used to live like and put on new ones. And the key to doing it is you've got to change how you think. Be renovated in your mind. So that raises a good question. How do I renovate my mind? How do you renovate your mind? Put off, put on, renovate the mind. Renovate your thinking. So you just understand how your mind works. Your mind or your subconscious mind stores up every experience you've ever had. Stores it up. It's all stored in there. The feelings you've had, the painful things, the difficult things, the memories of things you've had, all stored in there like in a big filing, super filing system. The beliefs you form, they're all in there too. The judgments you form, well, they're all in there too. The opinions, yet yeah, they're all in there. They're all in there. So you've got this huge box inside your subconscious mind. All the things that you've learned over the years and experienced over the years. Now, what are you going to do? Well, the way you live your life is, no matter what you say or do, as soon as you have an experience, it'll trigger off something inside you and you'll act out of the old unless you decide to change it. This is why so many Christians live defeated, because they don't understand the cooperation required of us in working with God to renew the inside of our heart and mind. If I don't do the work of renewing, I just will live out of the way I used to before. Same old reaction, same old anger, same old hurt, same old rejection, same old, same old, same old. And yet now I'm trying hard to be a Christian. What a bore. It's too hard. God wants me to relax. This is who I am. Now I begin to work with the Holy Spirit as he shows me to process and deal with issues in my life. That's not so hard. It's not a hard thing to do. And you don't have to try and rack up all the junk and get it all out. As you walk through life, if you live a reflective life with the Holy Spirit, he will show you stuff. And if he doesn't, someone around you will point it out to you. Isn't that nice? Huh. You've got a bad attitude. Then you've got a chance. Oh, I've got a bad attitude. What is that attitude? And, and, and what can I do to shift that attitude? Or you can say, oh, who do you think you are anyway? Oh, yes, you really have got a bad attitude. You're just, you're just responding out of the old ways you used to respond. You haven't, become, you haven't actually understood the new man in Christ operates differently. So I learn who I am and how to operate my life. See? So, so, so how am I going to do it? Let me give you four, four things which are part of the process. I'll just lay them out for you very simply. Number one, or part, and, the, and the, you sort of work on all of these at one time, or you can work on any one bit at one time, but it is a part of the process, okay? And so I'll give it to you in four, four, four bites. What, what kinds of things you can do, remember it's our responsibility to shift. So in Romans 12 verse 2 it says, don't be pressured or conformed to the way the world does things or be pushed into a mold so you're like everyone else. Be transformed or go from a butterfly to a caterpillar kind of life by being renewed in your mind. So if I'm going to be transformed or change my lifestyle, it starts with renovating the mind. Renovation is like this. You go in and you gut the building and you put in the new stuff. So you've got to see what needs to be ripped out first of all. You know, don't just lose your brain. You've got to actually be quite constructive with your mind. So you notice that the first thing I need to do then is I need to resolve past issues which impact my identity. I need to resolve past issues that impact who I am or who I think I am. So for example, if you've got victim issues, you've got to process the stuff. 
if you've got performance issues, you've got to process that stuff. So what do you mean by process it? Well, you need to actually allow the Holy Spirit to help you remember those painful experiences where you were humiliated or hurt and you began to form beliefs inside. And as you remember them, you just grieve over them, forgive the people concerned, and begin to identify what you believe that needs to change. And it can happen so easy. I was just driving down the road. Actually, I was driving around. Where was I driving? Driving somewhere. I was driving around to a uh, uh, birthday party. I just felt tears come to my eyes. I said, what is that? Holy? I'm going to a birthday party. I'm going to be happy, not crying. And, and I felt the Holy Ghost just talk to me. Just dropped a thought into my heart. I said, can we put it on hold till after the party's over? I'm not going there to have a howly bag at a birthday party. So I went back afterwards, went into my room, began to just pray, and then I began to engage in account of the Lord showed me what he wanted to shift in my life. The emotions were the first key to get that there was something there needed to be resolved. I was able to just bring it up, allow myself to feel the emotions, find what was going on, and then Jesus touched me, and the whole belief system shifted in my life. It wasn't so hard at all. It's not hard. It's not hard. I had another situation. I just turned the television on, and I just caught the end of a movie, and there's a bit of music on. As I listened to the music, I started to feel tears. I thought, why am I emotional? I mean, music is a movie. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Why have I got emotions? <laughs> but then I turned it off, and I stopped, and I thought, what, is, what was it that was, what does that music remind me of? And, I, and suddenly the Holy Ghost showed me exactly what it reminded me of, and I began to weep and weep and let go of the pain of that situation. And then the Holy Ghost, the Lord just appeared to me in it and just brought comfort to me and shifted the belief system, just like that. It's not hard to renovate on the inside. you just got to be open to stop controlling it all and engage. This is your stuff. If, I'm gonna, if, you're, if you're going to renovate the inside, you've got to face what's there, even if you don't like it. And if there's rot in the woodwork, well, that's okay. Cut it out, but don't paint over it for sure. <laughs> okay, so number one, need to resolve past issues. Eh? And uh, remember it, grieve over it, and identify what you believe, and just let it go. Second thing is we need to actually change what we see and what we believe. In, in 2 Corinthians 3, it says, uh, in verse 18, it says this, Now beholding as in a, in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image. And just give you, just give you this in a simple language. If you pick a mirror up and put it in front of you and look into it, who do you see? Huh? You see yourself. Is that right? And often when you look up, there's spots and wrinkles and uh, I missed the shaving spot there. You see all the things that are wrong. Did you notice? And you try to put them all right. Okay, now notice what the Bible says. Now, beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. I need to be looking at what Jesus is like and seeing when I look at him, that's what I'm like. This is the new me. This is who I am. I am like him. I am like that. I'm a loving person. Focus on your faults, they get out of control. Begin to focus on what you are in Christ, you begin to start to grow. You're a loving person. You're a forgiving person. You're a generous person. Start to see what Jesus is like. Begin to meditate. How do you do that? Well, very simple. Find out what the Bible says about you. That's the first thing. What does God say that Jesus is like? And I begin to meditate, and as I behold him, begin to fix on him, I begin to, that's what I'm like. I'm a generous person. Oh, yay! You begin to start to personalize the Scripture. You make it personal. I am loved, and I am a loving person. That's who I am. 
God is generous to me. I'm a generous person. You begin to look and make him the focus of your heart. And it takes time. You visualize it. Imagine what that's like. You begin to repeat that. That's who I am. That's who I am. Oh, well, that's new to me. I thought I was pretty mean and selfish. Turns out, no, I'm a new person now. This is who I am. If you keep focusing on all your faults, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. You actually just put them off and focus on what God says you're like now. Let that be the emotional focus of your heart. You begin to picture it. You make it personal. You begin to imagine how it feels. You begin to declare it. This is who I am. I am this kind of person. I am a forgiving person. I'm a loving person. I'm a person who walks in the Spirit. I'm a per- I am this. Why am I like that? I saw it in the mirror. I saw God's conforming me to Jesus Christ, and that's what He's like, so that's who I am. God calls the things that be not just like they are right now. Our problem is we remember what we used to be and then we reject what we are now. Rather than actually embracing what we are now and then letting your life cooperate and come into line with what God says about you now. We try to become something rather than Jesus says you are something, now grow up into it and live it out. Discover what that's like. Discover what it looks like. Begin to think, if I'm a loving person, what does that look like? How does that work out? If I'm a generous person... What does that look like? How And begin to see yourself living out what Jesus says you're like. It just takes time. Most people won't put in the time. That's what the difficulty is. So their mind remains unrenovated. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's another thing you can do. I'll give you two last things. Uh, here's a third thing you can do. One is to, is to practice positive disclosure. I'll explain what that means. I'm not talking about cleaning out your junk and talking your junk to people. But if you're going to become who you are, you actually need to own up to some things and make them known. Like, for example, you need to be able to say, I like this. I don't like that. I feel this. This is part of who you are. It's time you stop hiding all that stuff and be a little more honest in talking about things. This is my dream. Instead of hiding it, this is my goal. This is what I believe I could be. And do. But most people keep it all secret. They're ashamed of even bringing the things out. A lot of people are ashamed to talk about what they feel. I feel discouraged today. Well, at least, that's, at least you can actually state it, then you can do something about it instead of covering it all over. So positive disclosure is really good. This is what I want. This is the help I need. That's positive. That's saying what you need. That's part of being a person. A lot of people just cover up everything, won't even say, I need some help on this. So this is part of actually growing in your identity is to be able to disclose those things. And then the last thing is, you need to begin to practice doing some different things. You need to practice doing some different things. Two things you can practice being is one is joyful and the other is generous. See, God that we serve is a generous God. A generous God. I can be a generous person. Generous with compliments, generous with praise, generous in giving to people. I am that person. And so I give, not because I have to, not because someone stood up there and gave an inspiring message. I give because I'm generous. That's who I am, you know. You understand? Now, that's a whole different deal to being pushed and persuaded and made to become, to do something out of guilt or duty. Oh, you're a Christian now. You should be like this. That, that's, that's a guilt load. Jesus doesn't come to give any of that stuff to us. He says, you are a Christian. Don't be condemned if you've got a few funny things and quirks. I know all about them. Just don't be condemned. Just set your mind on the spirit things. Set your mind on things which are godly. And you'll walk in the spirit. Will you blow it? Sure you blow it. Just own up to it and move on. 
I've already got it all sorted out. But do not live condemned. Do not live forever thinking, I'm nobody or I'm nothing or I'm a failure or i got a weak or a hopeless Christian life. Listen, how can you have a hopeless Christian life? Listen, you're a believer. You're a saint of God. You're a child of the living God. You are loved by your Father. Stand up and begin to live that out. If you fall over, just get up again quick. Get grace to live your life out. Live out of who you are. You're a forgiven child of God. Who am I? I'm forgiven. When you fall over, you're still a forgiven child of God. So stand up into that and begin to walk back in that again. And you'll be amazed how quickly condemnation, accusation just drops off you like water off a duck's back. You don't have to live that way anymore because that's not who you are. You're not a condemned person. You're a vindicated, redeemed person. The Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. I'm redeemed. I'm loved. And not only that, I'm lovable as well. Well, you may not think so, but it doesn't really matter because my father told me so. Can you understand? Make God's words your reference point. And other people can signal if you've gone off track of it. But they're not the reference point for where your life is. Make God's word the reference point for your life. He's got only positive things to say about you. If he's got to tell you off, he does it so lovingly. Just straight you, straight into your heart. Son, I don't like that. Oh, forgive me, that's Get back up again and get going again. And stay down, stay up, stay alive. Be joyful in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is joy. God's sons are always joyful. They've got joy in them. God's sons are always generous. They've got generosity in them. Well, I don't have much to give. Doesn't matter. Just give something. You only got $10 and you give five of them. Well, that's really generous. Gave the whole up. Boy, you're an abundant giver. You understand? It's like it's a heart spirit thing. We are the children of God. We're ambassadors of another kingdom. We are something the world hasn't seen yet who we are. And oh, we're breaking out and becoming that. Come on, why don't we stand up and give the Lord a clap. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, we love you. We thank you we're becoming more like you. That's who we are. We're Christ followers. Oh, hallelujah. Bold, courageous, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you've made us to be. We honor you, Lord.